Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. As we speed right along into this holiday weekend, it's time to think about some football and some great football history as we get ready for the season. We're going to go back in the 1990s Pittsburgh Steelers and talk about their very interesting player, Cordell Stewart. Our friend Harv Aronson joins us to talk about some interesting items from the player they call Slash, coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal for positive football history. And welcome to another edition where we go to get to go back and revisit some Pittsburgh Steelers history, one of my favorite topics. And I have my good friend Harv Aronson here, another great uh, Steelers fan and historian, to join me. Harv, welcome back to the Pigpen. Thank you, Darren. Good to be back, always. Well, we're sure glad to have you. And Harv, I you know, told you that I've been uh, being inspired by many people's collections. We've been having some guests on and talking about, you know, all kinds of different football history. And I have a lot of uh, different obscure Steelers items. And one of the items that I have that I got, I'm not even sure where I got it. Maybe one of my aunts or something gave it, got me a flea marker or whatever, but I have a Cordell Stewart football from probably the late nineties when he was uh, the, the man in Pittsburgh um, and it just brought back some memories of, of old Slash. And I thought maybe it'd be interesting to to have a conversation with you and go back and review some of the history of Cordell Stewart. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely Cordell was one of the most exciting players to ever put on a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. Um, and so, you know, when you think of Cordell, the first thing that comes to mind, obviously, is the word Slash. Um, for people that don't know, Stewart got that nickname thanks to the longtime Stewart's commentator and Pittsburgh fan favorite, the late Myron Cope, because Cope started calling Stewart that name because of his ability to play not just his natural position of quarterback, but Cordell in his early years was also playing running back, wide receiver. The, the guy was even punting the ball from here and there. So, And many college football fans will remember former Boston College NFL player Doug Flutie for his famous Hail Mary pass when he was at Boston College that won the game for them in a walk-off victory. But Stewart had his own version. It was September 24th, 1994. He threw a 64-yard bomb to Michael Westbrook, and that beat the Michigan Wolverines in the closing seconds of that game. So uh, Cordell came out of college with that, that play, and that was really the highlight of his college career. Um, and so a little bit of history on Cordell. He was drafted by the Steelers in 1995. He was the 60th overall pick in the second round. He was born in New Orleans, 1972. And if you can believe it, he turns 51 this year. 
Um, it seems like mm-hmm. yesterday watching him play, and now he's 51. Uh, his rookie year, he was on the roster. He was back up to Neil Donald. Uh, ahead of him were Jim Miller, Mike Tomczak. He did get two starts that first year, but only three were um, only three of seven passes. However, he had through seven passes, and five of them were complete. So that's all he did in his first year. But one did come for a touchdown. Um, and in his rookie season, serving as slash, uh, that included he had 15 rushes for 86 yards. He scored once on the ground. He averaged 5.7 yards per rush, which is pretty impressive, which was also a sign of things to come when he became starter. Uh, Stewart also caught 14 passes that year, 235 yards receiving, and that was a 16.8 yards per catch average. So all this proof was just showing you that he was a very dangerous player. So we get to 1996, and Cordell was not yet the starting quarterback, so he was still behind Mike Tomczak. Uh Mike Quinn was also on the team at that time. Some people may remember Mike Quinn. The, the, uh, the mighty 1990, they called Mike, him. Mike Quinn. What'd you, the, what was that? The, the, the mighty Quinn, I can remember. Mighty Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he had a very short stay in Pittsburgh. <clears throat> but the 99, um, 97 season, Stewart then won the starting job. Mike Tomczak took a back seat. Uh, and then you may remember Pete Gonzalez was also on the roster. I believe he was a University of Pittsburgh product, if I remember correctly. Uh, I think you might be right there. Yeah, I think he was think- came out of Pitt, and um, Cordell remained the starting quarterback until 2002. Uh, and then that year, he lost the starting job uh, to Tommy Maddox, Tommy Gunn. Um, but for, for Stewart, his finest season came in 2001. Uh, the team went 13-3. and he reached the AFC title game, only to lose to the New England Patriots. But that year, Stewart started all 16 games. He threw for 3,109 yards, had a 60.2 completion percentage. Very impressive there. 14 touchdowns and only 11 interceptions. Uh, that year, he was only sacked 29 times. And on the ground that year, he rushed for 537 yards on 96 carries. So his yards per carry was a, an impressive 5.6. Uh, a very dangerous player. He was a special player. Because not only did he run, he was a receiver. He was a punter several times, as we mentioned. Um, and eventually, when the Steelers let him loose, he signed with the Baltimore Ravens, where he actually punted the ball five times for them. Uh, in Pittsburgh, there was only one punt. It came for 50, 35 yards. But in Baltimore, he never averaged more than 36 yards a boot. But they would use him as a punter sometimes. After losing his to- job to Tommy Maddox, he was released. And then he was picked up by the Bears for the 2003 season. He started seven of nine games that he appeared in. His completion percentage dropped to a career low of 50.2 there, and he was intercepted 12 times and sacked 25 times. And I think the problem I always say with Cordell Stewart was that he was just insistent on being a quarterback. He believed that he could be an NFL starting quarterback, and he would not accept anything but playing quarterback. And I think, in my opinion, had he gone to Bill Cowher and said, listen, I want to return to the slash role, perhaps they may not have released him, and he would have been a very productive player um, and would have stayed on the team much longer. But he really wanted to be an NFL quarterback, and I think that was his downfall. Uh, but the Bears did release him after that season. He landed in Baltimore after that, where he would play two more seasons before hanging up the cleats. So he appeared in only three games for Baltimore, never started a game of quarterback. Um, it's my, And like I was saying, it was my belief. Had he wanted to stay as slash, his career would have been much longer. Um, but, you know, bottom line on Cordell Stewart, he'll always be remembered for being one of the most dynamic, exciting players in Stewart's history, no doubt about it. 
Well, definitely. Great, great uh, research and great uh, talk on, on uh, Cordell, a great history of him. You know, I, I agree with you. I think uh, I think he was he had fun. I think that those first couple of years when he was slash and everybody had fun watching him. He was definitely when the Steelers were on, they were must see TV when their offense took the field because you didn't know how they were going to use him. And neither did the exactly. defenses. And that, that's what made him such a great weapon. Yeah. And he was he was so versatile, but like you said, he wanted to be a quarterback, and it, he just never accepted that that novelty role of being that special player. Uh, you know, almost like I, I guess today's comparison would almost be like a Debo Samuel, you know, who uh-huh. can play multiple positions and is a stud at, at multiple positions. Well, Cordell, you know, definitely was a great runner, great receiver. He ran decent mm-hmm. routes. You know, yeah. had good set of hands. And uh, you know, could run the jet sweeps or take a, a shotgun. If they if they would have been running Wildcat back then, he would have been a perfect quarterback. Oh, yeah. It's almost like he was born twenty five years too early. If yeah, he could, he, and he had speed. And it kind of reminds me too. When you mentioned Debo Samuels, it almost reminds me here being in Jacksonville. Tim Tebow, the same thing happened to him that he insisted on being a quarterback and he wanted to be a quarterback. And they kept hinting maybe you should turn and become a tight end because he was such an aggressive, tough player. And then, interestingly enough, last year he tried to come back and play tight end. He tried out with the Jaguars as a tight end. He didn't yeah, make 40 it. years old, though. <laughs> exactly. Had he done that early in his career, he would have been like Cordell. He probably would have hung around a lot longer than he did. Yeah, Cord- Cordell was just, you know, uh, if he would have just accepted that that role, like you said, and, mm-hmm. you know, been that you know been like an h backer or or yeah. a wide receiver or you know something like a, a more of a role like Debo Samuels or or been born you know like 25 years later he probably been a whole different player had a longer career and probably more fruitful career I, I was actually really disappointed that he would not accept that role because I wanted him to stick around he was a dangerous weapon so and then kind of later on Antoine Randall L came along it was almost similar to that role um he played a little bit of that same kind of slash, but not as effectively as Cordell, of course. But I, I was going to ask you that because, it, like you said, Antoine Randall, they did. Heinz Ward was a college quarterback at Georgia, yeah. and they drafted yeah. him to be a wide receiver. I think Cower sort of saw something in that mold and said, mm-hmm. you know, these these guys, are, quarterbacks are you know usually excellent, the best athletes on the college team. And yeah. if you take a, a big, you know, power five college program and you take a starting quarterback off it and say, Hey, we, we want you as an athlete and we want you as a wide receiver, or like yeah. in the case of Randall L and, uh, you know, from Indiana and or Heinz right. from Georgia and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do that. And those guys accepted the role and they had, they probably had more successful careers. Definitely Heinz Ward did the over Cordell yeah. and oh, yeah. debatable uh, on Randall L did better than Cordell, you know, uh-huh. here's a real quick note on Heinz. I don't know if you've ever heard of Pete Prisco, sports mm-hmm. writer yeah. for CBS. Yeah. yeah. He used to have a radio show down here, and I used to call a show all the time. And we had an argument about – fun argument about Heinz Ward. And he swore. He said, Heinz Ward will never make the Hall of Fame. I said, Pete, you're wrong. I said, I guarantee you he's going to make that Hall of Fame. And he's like, well, we'll have to bet a beer on it. And I said, you're on. I said, because he is going to get in the Hall of Fame one day. I still think he will. But, um, you know, he was – that's one of my favorite players of all time. Heinz was just amazing. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll have to have a conversation about him here in the near, near future. We'll yeah, getting into the Hall of Fame, because if he doesn't get in, that's a shame. I mean, you look at the records. He's broken almost every Steelers receiving record. 
So you've got uh, Stallworth and Swan that are already in there. Uh, maybe they have the Super Bowl wins, you know, more than he did, but he's got the stats. I don't know why he can't get in. I mean, uh, cause he, some of us, he got the reputation of being a, a cheap okay. shot artist, you know? And I mean, I, if you're a Steelers fan, you loved him because he was gritty. Oh, yeah. I mean, he wants, he'd ear hole somebody. And you know, he's, my favorite one is Keith Rivers. Did you ever see that one? Right, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking oh, about. God. Yeah. He just annihilated that guy. And <laughs> I remember what he said after he goes, you got to keep your head on a swivel. Right. And it was very rare where somebody got a shot on him and they had plenty of opportunity with him being a receiver, but he just played that, that game smart. And, uh, but yeah. yeah, we'll have to have, we'll have to have a program on him one of these days in the near future. And, uh, absolutely. Keep, I know the Ravens wanted to kill him literally, I think. Yeah, that's for sure. But the, you know, going back to Cordell though, he, you know, it's, it's a shame that, you know, I, at first I thought, well, maybe he didn't have the success because most of his, Steelers quarterback career was in the Kevin Gilbride system. And mm-hmm. it's not like Gilbride is the, uh, at least my perception of him. It wasn't like he was the best fatherly figure or best, you know, well-liked coach in the world is sort of, yeah. it seemed like he was not a, a player's coach. He just, he was a system coach and my system or, you know, you hit the highway. And I don't think that was conducive to what Cordell was. Cordell right. was a little bit more, um, had had to be uh, not not coddled, but had to be you know paid attention to and given attention to and and helped along the way and and guided I think a little bit more. Not, not man was intelligent, but yeah. he just it just a you know to be he's not really a system quarterback, no. and because he's he's so talented, and I think that was sort of went against him. And I don't think the Ravens had that when he was there, and I don't think Chicago had that. And I think that was just you know failure, failure, failure for him or you know mediocre mediocrity at quarterback in the nfl but probably i think would have done much better under chan gailey tell you the yeah truth. yeah you're right chan gailey or even malarkey or, or somebody that was a yeah. little bit more innovative and could gear the offense around his skill set instead of saying okay this is the way i want my quarterback and you're going to fit that mold or you're not going to be here and that's right and I think that's sort of why uh, you know Tom Zach came in and, and played because he was that that kind of guy. He could be a system quarterback, and it wasn't like he was super talented, but he was effective because yeah. he played within a system. So yeah, just one real quick quarterback off topic note was that I saw something today. They were talking about um, uh, Kenny Pickett taking a back seat at the start of the season. I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Nah. And I was like, are you kidding me? Save, save injury. He's he's the starter. I mean, he. Yeah, I didn't understand that one. I was like, why? He could throw twenty five uh, interceptions in a preseason. He's still starting week one. He that's that's, that's their guy. <laughs> that's yeah, what I that's think their guy. Well. He he proved it. I mean, with all the comebacks he had at the end of mm-hmm. last season, and I mean, especially when you what do you have? Uh, what five interceptions in his first three games, and then yeah. he threw like one the rest of the season. You know, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. so. Yeah, they're 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 built themselves into very similar to what they did to Roethlisberger in his second year. It's almost uncanny. He took strong defense and that's what the Steelers have built. I mean, they're going to be a, they should be a top five defense this year. Oh my God. They've had some great additions to that defense. And and they, and they beefed the lineup. They, I mean, you couldn't ask them to do any more to the the offensive Mm -hmm. line than they did and get the running game going with that and let the quarterback, you don't have to be the hero, Kenny. 
just we get in a little bit of trouble or we want to throw the defense off a little bit. Here you go. And by the way, we're going to give you a, a gigantic uh, tight end as a, as a weapon. And you still yeah. got your guys from last year to throw to. And, uh, and, and we'll give you a great slot back. Uh, that was a you know first round draft pick too. And, and Robinson, you know, so what, what, what more could he ask for? He's got everything around him. This is his year in Matt Can- Canada's year to, to prove themselves. And here's something for you people that like uh, record holders. I read something today that Friarsmuth, if he catches 50 more passes or more this year, 50 or more passes, he'll be the first tight end in history in his first three seasons to catch 50 or more passes in every season. Really? And I was and not aware. On, on any team? And That's what it said. It said in really? NFL history, no tight end has ever caught 50 or more passes in each of his first three seasons. Wow. That's surprising. Like a Tony Gonzalez or Gronkowski or uh, you know somebody like that didn't and have that yeah. Antonio Gates, huh? Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Hopefully he does. Yeah. Unless that stat keeper's wrong, but I did read that. So, well, I'll have to look that one up to, to verify it, but yeah. Well, I'll tell you wrong. what, he, there should be more openings for him because they've got, you know, a very a star-studded lineup of, of weapons and you can't mm-hmm. double team everybody and you're probably going to leave one of your tight ends uh, in single coverage with a yeah, line. I made a note. In one of my articles, I made a note that last year I really thought Tomlin was going to have his first losing season. He was that close until they ran off that winning streak. But I said that's as close as they're going to get because this year they're going to be way better. Yeah, definitely. Well, hey, that great discussion on uh, Cordell Stewart. And, uh, you know, I know he he didn't go out as maybe the most popular Steelers quarterback in history, but, God, he was fun to watch when when he was, on, was. on his game and uh, super talented. And I, I had a great opportunity. When he was a rookie, um, you know, I, I live in, in Erie, Pennsylvania, and I my, my hometown is actually Edinburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where I went to college. And my my father lives about a quarter of a mile from Sox Harrison Stadium, which is the home of Edinburgh football. And the Steelers and the Bills would meet in Edinburgh every year for probably like a five year period and have their rookie mini camp, uh, a rookie uh, scrimmage against each other in Edinburgh. And it was yeah. like it was like five bucks you can go in there and see it. All the veterans would go in. So the the year that Cordell was a rookie. He came in, was playing quarterback in the scrimmage. It was just, you know, 11 on 11 scrimmage. You'd, each team would have like 10, 10 plays to try to score. It was just, you know, controlled practice. But on the sidelines, out of uniform, there was like the, the great Bills teams that area. You know, Bruce Smith was there, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, yes. and, you know, Lofton, and all those guys are standing on the sidelines. And, you know, all the, the great Steelers at, at the time were – were in there too. It was, just, it was just fantastic to do it and seeing Bill Cower up close. It was kind of cool oh, because wow. it's kind of an intimate uh, stadium. There's you can only put maybe three, four thousand people in, in Edinburgh Stadium, and uh, we were you're standing ground level as you're right right by them. So it was, it was great, great to see that. It was always fun to That's go to. Cool. They don't do it anymore. I wish they did, but uh, really cool. Well, when you're up there in July, you should definitely hit training camp. I told you that once before because that is yeah. a lot of fun. That's a great experience. Yeah, I'm I'm there. I'm the, there on the, the with the PFRA. We are in Latrobe on the 28th, whatever that Friday is. I think it's the 28th of July. So 
I'm going to try to, I'm going to get my, my free ticket to get into the St. Vincent college, see if I can at least catch an hour of practice or something. Cause we've got a historical tour and uh, folks, if you're listening and you're interested in going to that PFRA convention in Pittsburgh, a lot of great uh, football history there. You go to the uh, front page of pigskindispatch.com. We've got a PFRA link and a PFRA 2023 convention link there. Got all the details for you and how to uh, get associated with that. It's going to be a good time in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, and I guess before we let you go, let's uh, give out your shout out to your projects you have going and uh, so people can enjoy those. Sure. I'm still working on my YouTube channel, Sports History Remembered. Uh, There is a coinciding website that I've started to build for that. Um, And basically what I'm trying to get after one of the projects I have on my plate is I want to do a monthly newsletter. Um, that will contain all kinds of events that happen in that month. So, for example, um, I want to try to get one prepared for August. It'll come out in August, and it'll be all these different sporting events, from not just football, all sports, um, just little summaries of events that took place in August in history. Um, so I'm trying to get that, make that a regular thing. Um, but I do have the, the channel, uh, Sports History Remembered, and I try to get as many videos up there as possible. I will have some new videos coming up starting on a regular basis. I'm going to do a Monday morning quarterback that will profile a quarterback from history. Uh, I'm hoping to get one up this week for um, thank God it's Friday and going to try to focus on one event from that took place on a Friday from history. We'll have that. Um, and along with other historical videos that whenever I get some good ideas, I'll be posting videos there. So I have that. And then down the road, um, I'm hoping to have a sports history remembered podcast where we will be talking about nothing but history and all kinds of sports, whatever comes to the table. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. And uh, again, Harv Aronson, uh, sports history remembered. And uh, thank you for remembering this great Steelers history that you share with us tonight. Absolutely. Darren, I will talk to you again one day on another podcast. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. A special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, 
is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.